Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Good morning, Sky community. It's your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers. I am excited to be back with you this week. Thank you for joining me. We are going to chat today about menopause because a very astute postpartum mama asked me, you know what you really need to talk about? She's like, I have no idea what's going to happen in menopause. Like, can you just give me the basics? Nobody's talking about this. My mom didn't tell me anything. What do I need to know about menopause? And so that's what we're here for today. And I would tell you, this is the second time for me to record this episode because it was so, I listened to the one I had ready for you guys, and it was so incredibly boring. So we're going to try to spice it up a little bit and make it a little more clear and transparent. Um, This episode is sponsored by Slend. Slend is an estrogen-free pill that is safe for women who have estrogen-related health concerns or who cannot take estrogen, and it's a great option for otherwise healthy women who are conscious about the hormones they're placing in their bodies. Slend is convenient to take because it has a flexible window to catch up on a missed pill similar to combined oral contraceptives, and it has periods on a schedule or missed periods altogether. I prescribe Slend in my practice and patients are having great results. So please ask your healthcare provider if Slend might be right for you. Okay, and this is a very um, appropriate sponsor given that as we go through this perimenopausal period, we may have irregular periods and may wanna have a more, um, a more scheduled cycle so that we're not you know, having unpredictable bleeding and being surprised. Okay, so let's get into menopause, what it is, what it isn't, and what we need to know, okay? Menopause is a time in your life when you're naturally going to stop having periods, menstrual periods, okay? Menopause happens when the ovaries stop making estrogen. Estrogen is a hormone that helps to control your menstrual cycle, and menopause marks the end of your reproductive years. So the average age that women go through menopause is 51. It's considered early if you go have your final menstrual period before the age of 45 and late when it occurs after the age of 54. So you hear this term thrown around perimenopause. What does that mean actually? It's the years leading up to menopause. It can begin as early as in your 30s, typically in your 40s. The amount of estrogen produced by the ovaries begins to fluctuate and common signs of perimenopause is a change in your menstrual period. Cycles can become longer than usual for you or shorter. You may begin to skip periods. The amount of flow may be lighter or heavier. And although changes in your menstrual cycle are normal during this time, you should still let your OBGYN know about these because abnormal bleeding can also be a sign of problems. So estrogen is not the only hormone at play. The blood levels of estrogen and progesterone decrease and the follicular stimulating hormone or FSH increase. 
and that results in the, the physiologic changes and the clinical symptoms. Although women report experiencing a variety of menopausal symptoms, um, vasomotor or hot flushes and vaginal symptoms most closely associated with hormonal changes of the menopause transition. And these are the most common complaints that we see. Um, the prevalence is 50 to 82% of U.S. women are experience, who experience natural menopause are complaining of vasomotor symptoms. So what are these vasomotor symptoms that we talk about? It can vary, but Essentially, it's this sudden sensation of extreme heat in the upper body, particularly in the face, neck, and chest. Um, and it's referred to as this hot flush. And some people say that they feel like they're heating up from the inside out. Um, these episodes typically last one to five minutes. You can have um, sweating, flushing, chills, clamminess, anxiety, and on occasion, heart palpitations with it. Um, I remember watching my mother go through this and you know, she, it would um, happen whenever she was eating and all of a sudden she would feel flushed and anxious and, um, and it was just hard to kind of like break that cycle. You just had to kind of wait through it. So when we look at reports, you know, this is kind of hard to identify exactly, you know, how long this transition may take. But for many people, we've seen published reports that um, the symptoms can persist longer than you may think, okay? So the median duration is four years and even 10 years has been reported. So these vasomotor symptoms can be quite disturbing, especially if they're happening at night and that's what we call night sweats. Um, some people will report that they've had to sleep on a towel or they wake up soaked and they have to change their pajamas. And there's some thought that, that the thermoregulatory mechanisms in our bodies change during this transition. And that perhaps that that thermoregulatory zone is narrowed and becomes more sensitive to subtle changes in core body temperature. And with small increases in temperature, it triggers this hot flush um, where you have vasodilation, sweating, and decreased skin resistance. So um, not very fun. And that can lead to a disturbance in sleep. So that's interesting. You know, is it a physiologic response? Is it ethnic variations? Is it the type of diet we're consuming? Not sure. Okay, vaginal symptoms, because this is a big one, right? Women want to continue to um, enjoy having sex. And if you're bothered by your vagina, if you've got vaginal atrophy, um, that can be really bothersome. But how do I explain this vaginal atrophy to you? Um, so it's a direct consequence of the low estrogen state that's associated with menopause. And you get these anatomic and physiologic changes in the genitourinary tract. So vagina and urinary. So where we're where our urine comes out. Um, the North American Menopause Society estimates that 10 to 40% of menopausal women are going to experience one or more symptoms of vaginal atrophy. Um, it's most bothersome, like you'll have vaginal and vulvar dryness, you could have discharge, itching, or painful intercourse. Um, there's this loss of the superficial layer of cells, the epithelial cells in the genitourinary tract that causes the thinning of the tissue. Um, and a loss of the vaginal rugae, which lends to a lot of elasticity of the vagina. And so you can get a narrowing and shortening of the vagina. And the epithelial cells are more fragile and they can tear, which could lead to bleeding and fissures and 
none of this sounds good, right? <laughs> There's also a loss of subcutaneous fat in the labia majora. Um, and these changes result in a narrowing of the opening of the vagina, perhaps even a fusion of the labia minora, that's the inner lips of the vagina or of the vulva, and a shrinking of the clitoral prepuce and urethra. The vaginal pH becomes more alkaline. You know, in our younger years, it's very acidic and it kind of maintains the vaginal flora. And then vag uh, vaginal secretions are largely from the vaginal vasculature and this may decrease. And so it leads to dryness and discomfort. Measures of sexual dysfunction are noted to be present at higher rates in women with vaginal atrophy than in women who have not gone through menopause. So the good news here is that there is treatment for this and that vaginal estrogen is very safe for um, almost everybody. <laughs> I have never even had a oncologist tell me no when it came to looking at the options for our um, breast cancer survivors who may have estrogen progesterone positive breast cancer. Um, it, the levels of estrogen in your blood are still in the postmenopausal range with vaginal estrogen alone. So it is very safe for everyone. And I've had several podcasts where we've had breast surgeons on, we've had urologists on. Everybody believes that vaginal estrogen is good for that genitourinary system, okay? Okay, other things that can happen in the menopausal period, there's a small amount of bone loss after the age of 35, and it accelerates in those first years, like first four to eight years after menopause. And this is when bone loss can happen more rapidly. And so in this instance, we're wanting to prevent osteoporosis, uh, weight-bearing exercise, your calcium and vitamin D intake are gonna be very important. Typically, we're not recommending estrogen prophylactically just for the prevention of osteoporosis. What other health risk are increased during perimenopause and menopause, right? Great question. The estrogen produced by women's ovaries before menopause actually protects against heart attacks and stroke. And when there's less estrogen after menopause, women lose much of that protection. So midlife is definitely a time that we want to pay attention to risk factors for heart disease, such as high cholesterol levels, high blood pressure, being physically inactive. Um, these are you know, some of the more common risk factors. All these combined could definitely increase your risk of heart attack and stroke in menopausal women. So we wanna make sure that we're doing those health maintenance visits, that we're eating a healthy diet, that we're practicing meditation, that we're moving our bodies to stay physically active and fit to protect our heart health. Okay, so I know you're gonna ask, if we're talking about menopause, what is hormone therapy and do I need it? Hormone therapy can help to relieve the symptoms of perimenopause and menopause. Hormone therapy means taking estrogen. And if you've never had a hysterectomy, so you still have your uterus, you're going to need a hormone called progesterone or progestin. Estrogen plus progesterone sometimes is called combined hormone therapy or simply hormone therapy. So taking uh, progesterone helps to actually protect, reduce the risk of cancer of the uterus if you've had a hysterectomy and you're going through menopause, you only need estrogen therapy. Sometimes we'll add progesterone therapy at night because sometimes it helps you sleep better. However, it is not necessary. Estrogen plus progesterone is when you still have your uterus and we have to protect the lining of the uterus. The estrogen protects the lining of the uterus from having this unopposed stimulation of estrogen, which can lead to um, endometrial hyperplasia and potentially cancer. Okay. 
hormone therapy could be given in a pill, a patch, gels, sprays, a number of ways in which it would be given. Um, progesterone could be given in a Depo-Provera form, a pill, a patch, um, and an IUD. One of my favorites. So what are the benefits of hormone therapy? Systemic estrogen therapy has been shown to be the best treatment for the relief of hot flashes and night sweats. It really works. But now when I say systemic, that's when we're taking it orally or a transdermal patch or something of that nature. So we're getting a, a therapeutic level of estrogen. Um, vaginal estrogen does not qualify as hormone replacement therapy. That is for those vulvovaginal symptoms. That's to help keep the vagina happy. I always call uh, vaginal estrogen the Botox of the vagina. Okay. Um, it keeps that um, vaginal epithelium healthy and um, happy. Um, okay. So systemic estrogen is the best treatment for relief of hot flushes and night sweats. Both systemic and local types of estrogen therapy relieve the vaginal dryness. Systemic estrogen protects against bone loss that occurs early in menopause and helps prevent hip and spine fractures. Combined estrogen and progesterone may reduce the risk of colon cancer. So there are definitely are um, some benefits, okay? Hormone therapy could increase the risk of certain types of cancers and other conditions. So let's just kind of run through that. Estrogen only is gonna cause that lining of the uterus to grow and it can increase your risk of uterine cancer. So if you have your uterus and you've been prescribed estrogen therapy, make sure you're getting progesterone too, okay? Combined hormone therapy is associated with a small increased risk of heart attack. This risk may be related to age, um, existing medical conditions, and when exactly a woman starts hormone therapy. Initiation of hormone therapy in women aged 50 to 59 or in those within 10 years of menopause. When we start treatment in this time frame, it doesn't seem to increase the risk of cardiovascular events. In the Women's Health Initiative, even when we go back and look at the observational data, it shows, it suggests that healthy, recently menopausal women with bothersome menopause symptoms, that the benefits of hormone therapy are likely to outweigh the risk, including fewer coronary events in younger versus older women. So if we're initiating hormone therapy in later menopausal years, that's where we have potentially this increased risk. Of, okay, what other medications can help with menopausal symptoms? Several antidepressants are actually available to treat hot flashes. Um, and this is good because also it could help with some of the anxiety related around um, the hot flashes if you're experiencing that. Gabapentin is an anti-seizure medication and clonidine is a blood pressure medication. And these can be prescribed to reduce hot flashes and ease sleep problems associated with menopause. There are also a class of drugs called selective estrogen receptor modulators, and they act on tissues that respond to estrogen. And they're available for the relief of hot flashes and pain during intercourse caused by vaginal dryness. Now, what about the plant and herbal supplements? Are they gonna really help menopause? Plants and herbs, um, that have been used to relieve menopausal symptoms include soy and black cohosh and Chinese herbal remedies. Only a few of these substances have been studied for safety and effectiveness. And these products aren't really regulated, so there's no guarantee that the product contains safe ingredients or effective doses for you. If you're taking one of these, 
it's really important that you let your provider know that you are taking them. So, you know, whenever you come in and you fill out your history or we ask, are you taking any medications and you don't list those supplements like your multivitamin or your black cohosh, you know, those are kind of key things that we want to make sure we have on your list, just like we might have your thyroid medication or your blood pressure medication. Okay, this term bioidentical hormones, you've heard probably a lot. Um, they're commercially available products, they're compounded preparations. Um, compounded bioidentical hormones are made up by a compounding pharmacist for a healthcare professional from a healthcare professional's prescription. Compounded drugs are not regulated by the US Food and Drug Administration. So you know, compounding pharmacies have to be licensed, but they don't have to show safety, effectiveness, and quality control that the FDA requires of drug makers. So uh, ACOG and the American College of OBGYN and NAMS, the North American Menopause Society, um, really don't recommend these. They want you to use FDA-approved hormone therapy over compounded hormone therapy because we know that you're getting a consistent effective dose. And we don't know if what you're getting from a compounded therapy is safe and effective. Okay, vaginal moisturizers and lubricants are available over the counter. There's so many good new lubricants and um, things that are coming out recently after going to the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health conference recently. I mean, I came home with buckets of <laughs> lube and samples and all kinds of, of fun stuff to try out. And I've got samples for you if you choose to see us in the office at Sky Women's Health. These over-the-counter products can be used to help with vaginal dryness and painful sexual intercourse if you're having penetrative sex. They don't contain hormones, so they don't have an effect on the vagina's thickness or elasticity. It's just vaginal moisturized, and it can be used every two to three days as needed. Lubricants can be used with each sexual encounter. So you might be listening to all this and go, gosh, that's a ton of information. And that sounds really awful. And I'm not sure that's something I want to go through, which I get it. Um, it's kind of like uh, puberty whenever we're young and we're going to go through this change or transition, we don't know what to expect. I almost feel like we talk about puberty more than we talk and we don't do a really great job on that. But I feel like we talk about it even more than perhaps menopause because my as patient who asked the very astute question of like what to expect with menopause, um, no one's talking about it. It's very accurate. You know, I do not remember having any conversations around this uh, with my mother, except for the hot flashes that she was experiencing, you know, but what to expect, how to best treat yourself. And unfortunately, women in this time of life are being taken advantage of where I see too often that, um, you know, you're being marketed to and um, they're preying on our insecurities as women, right? And there's a lot of information out there and it's hard to tell what's really real, what's accurate, what do, what do I need to do? Um, do I need testosterone, right? And we didn't even talk about um, testosterone actually in this, but testosterone, men and women both have testosterone 
and as we age and our estrogen and progesterone drops, we actually see this change in um, the ratio of estrogen and, and testosterone. And testosterone can be used if um, there is a low sex drive in um, postmenopausal women. It can be effective, but it is not the cure all. You do not need in regular injections. You do not need pellets. Um, could you use a sub-Q cream of testosterone and would that help you? Yes, it very well may. I've had plenty of patients who've done really well on it, um, but I don't want you to feel like you're broken. Something's wrong with you. Like all of these symptoms um, that women come in complaining of, you know, fatigue and brain fog and muscles ache and joints ache and perhaps even migraines and all of these things that are happening are most likely related to your um, to menopause, to that transition and the lack of estrogen. And so the first step is getting on um, hormone therapy that is appropriate for you and your body. And it's not a one and done. It is, um, it takes a relationship with you and your hopefully um, North American menopause certified menopause provider to really go over the details of, of how you're reacting to the medication, how the therapy is helping you and where to go from there. Because it, I don't have a cookbook formula as what is going to be best for you, right? It's going to take some, some trial and error, right? Some like got to go into the test kitchen, right? We got to try it out, take it consistently, give our feedback to the doctor as to what's going on. How might we need to adjust this? So we're going to have to do a little tinkering to get it right. And that's when a good open relationship, a communication, direct line of communication with your provider really makes a big difference. Okay. But otherwise, how do we stay healthy? One of the big things is looking at our lifestyle, right? And this is when lifestyle medicine comes in, really comes into play, in my opinion. It's important always, but particularly in menopausal years. So nutrition is key. We want to eat a balanced whole um, food diet, right? So less processed foods. If it's in a package, we want to avoid it. We want the whole foods, grains, vegetables, fruits. And then we need to exercise regularly because that helps to slow down our bone loss and improve our overall health. Weight-bearing exercise, such as walking, helps to keep those bones strong. So it doesn't have to be fancy. You don't need to be in the gym deadlifting to do your weight-bearing exercises. It could simply be walking, running, jogging. Um, strength training exercises are going to help your muscles and bones by resisting against the weight. And this helps not only to um, keep your body strong, but also it helps you burn more fat and it helps to keep maintain your balance. So you always want to make sure that you are doing your weight bearing exercise with balance training and stretching such as yoga or Tai Chi or something of that nature. Okay. And then get your routine health checks. Okay. Visit your health care provider once a year, at least for your regular routine health exams and tests, get your dental checkups and your eye exams. These are all important. Your mammogram, because prevention is key to like catching something early, treating it early and avoiding, um, 
you know, some painful complications that can come from just, I've had patients who say, you know, oh, I'm just so scared. I just don't want to know. Well, that could lead to a really painful death. You know, <laughs> like I am not interested in that. Okay. So let's get our screening. Let's uh, make sure that we see our healthcare provider. Now, routine healthcare screening, I, this is not your hormone replacement therapy, right? Where you may be seeing your provider every three months making adjustments initially, especially. Okay. I hope this answers some of your questions. I hope it was a lot less boring than it could have been. <laughs> so um, if you have any additional questions, feel free to send us an email. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, please go ahead and leave us a review. That helps others to find us. We appreciate you listening in. I appreciate you listening in. Who's the we? It's me. I appreciate you listening in. Thank you so much. You can find me at Sky Women's Health and at Dr. Carolyn Moyers. And until next week, be well.